0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door
1: with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Welcome to the NBA Morning Deuce. We have a huge show today. Yesterday's shows, both shows, We're pretty big. We had the Luca show. We did our bonus set. First ever bonus set. We talked all things Philly before Brett Brown got fired. But Alex, I think today's the biggest episode we've had so far. I think it might be. Has to be. You you know why? I mean, you know why. The listeners don't know why. We got a guest. We don't just have any guests. We got a big guest. We got a big guest on the show. James Herbert, CBS Sports NBA writer outside the NBA. Former colleague of mine, one of the best in the business, James. Thank you for not only joining the show but being the first, uh, the first guest on the Deuce.
2: I'm honored. That was too nice, but I'll take it. So thank you.
0: Hey man, you know, you know, you know how I feel about you. I, you're a good, you're you were a good dude to me when I was at my at, at the old place, and uh, we worked well together. And I, I really respect what you do. So uh, I'm just happy to have you here. So. We, uh, we got a big show content-wise, too, because not only are we going through games like we always do, but there was some big news in the NBA today. Brett Brown, as we discussed and assumed was going to happen yesterday, uh, Brett Brown was fired today. There's also some other coaching rumors that we're going to get into, it, James, uh, but let's just start right off the top with today's slate. Uh, first game of the day was Bucks Magic. Bucks, they win 121-106. They're up 3-1 in the series now. Um, Chris Middleton finally showed up in the NBA playoffs after 11 quarters. He had 18 in the fourth today, went six of 12 from the field, three of four from three. Uh, Giannis did usual Giannis things. James watching this series. I mean, the Bucks haven't been perfect. Obviously they lost that first game and their offense hasn't looked great. What, what's stuck out to you about what they've done against the magic so far?
2: Well, I like that you brought up Middleton off the top because I think the Bucks looked most like more bucksy when Middleton is going off. Like he just had an absolutely insane regular season for them and did a lot, um, not just in terms of like being the number two guy with Giannis, but like the Bucks were really good when Giannis was on the court. And a lot of that was just with Middleton kind of doing his thing as the number one option. And it, it is a big deal when they can get that kind of production from him. But like, for me, the defensive side is always like a little bit more interesting then the offensive side with this team um, and you still see it, even though they had a relatively comfortable win uh, against Orlando in this game, like Vooch went off again and Vooch got a whole bunch of wide open threes again. And the bucks, like they just, they're not going to change their scheme. They're going to do what they do. And if opposing bigs can step out there and make a bunch of shots, then teams that aren't necessarily as talented can like, potentially stay in games. that's how they stole game one and they stayed with the bucks for most of this game too and even made like a little like kind of a spirited comeback that you knew wouldn't be enough like in the fourth the same way just hitting three-pointers getting comfortable looks and as great as the bucks defensive numbers were in the regular season like to me that's the big question once they start actually facing opponents that are better than the magic is like can that defense be that good in a playoff setting when typically the way to have a great defense in the playoffs is by like adjusting to what the other team is doing and uh kind of being able to be versatile and adaptable and they're a relatively versatile team in terms of personnel but in terms of their approach and their scheme they just do the same thing over and over
0: yeah yeah, Alex's alex's uh favorite head coach just got fired for his inability to adapt to opposing offenses so uh, we've talked about that plenty on this show um but so you're more worried about their defense than their offense because to me like their offense That's just me, hasn't yeah. looked good i mean i know but the, the, i will give the magic credit like good defense they're a good defensive team but they they other than middleton getting 18 in the fourth quarter today they're all, the rest of their starting lineup has looked pretty rough in this first round
2: yeah i think just the way that the bucks are kind of composed like the the same exact thing that we talk about on the defensive end with them giving up open threes like three-point variance is a huge thing with them too like Mm -hmm. they just shoot a ton of threes every game and they're not that great at it and that that is kind of the question with them that's existed all year long i can't remember when the hell i wrote this but i wrote a story at a certain point of the year like the bucks are playing well but not shooting well how much does this matter and i think it doesn't matter until it does and in the playoffs is when it can matter you saw it like these things came up, like the the defensive issue came up against the Raptors in the conference finals last year, but the offensive issue came up too because the, the, the Raptors basically were comfortable giving up threes as long as they were still contesting them. And then when it was somebody like Bledsoe, they were doing late contests if they were contesting at all. And that seemed to really get in his head. And as for the other guys, it was just like, well, like their philosophy was still to contest everything, but, they were fine um, with a team that's that good scoring around the rim to kind of wall off the paint, send help to Giannis, make him pass out. And then they were confident they still had a defender to get out there. And they thought, well, okay, a couple of you guys like are really good shooters. Like George Hill was lights out in last year's playoffs. George Hill has been lights out all year as well. Now this year they have Kyle Korver. You don't want to let that guy shoot. Mm-hmm. But the, the Brooke Lopez's of the world, the Pat Connaughton's of the world, Dante DiVincenzo, all of these guys – they're like okay to passable three point shooters. They're not knockdown down guys. And like the bucks play this five out style that obviously does maximize Giannis and is the best for him, but they're not playing five out with a bunch of guys that you're terrified of. They're just playing five out with a bunch of guys that can make a three.
0: Sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, well, in terms of who they'll play next, right? The heat we know swept today. Um, yes. And obviously a much better team than the Magic and one of the best three-point shooting teams by percentage in the NBA. Um, I, Alex, you've... So Jimmy Butler got hurt today. He could barely use his left arm for m- most of the second half. You, you have followed Jimmy pretty closely in the playoffs as a, as a Sixers fan. Are you concerned with the way he looked with that shoulder injury heading into a series against the Bucks,
1: I mean, you have to be. And uh, James hit on it a ton about Milwaukee not looking that great. I, I, I kind of expected Milwaukee to coast here, but as Miami just kind of wiped through Indiana, I got really excited about that series. I still am excited about that series. Um, a week ago, I wouldn't have thought Miami would have had much of a chance in that series, but just how they look against Indiana and how weak Milwaukee is – quite frankly, looked against Orlando, I think Miami has a shot, but not if if this uh, injury to Butler is going to linger. Um, and he's one of the toughest guys in the league. I, I really do believe that. He's a guy that can gut through this. I mean, the details aren't entirely out about the extent of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Well, he
0: said, he said after the game that it was something that he came into the game with that he aggravated. So I don't know if it's just something that he's been playing with, which seems like most of the guys in the bubble
1: um, playing with something. But yeah, question, he it looked bad in the second half. Yeah, and no, I don't think the Heat can handle Milwaukee without a 100% Jimmy Butler, which sucks cuz as you've hit on a bunch of times, these injuries are throwing a ton of series into whack. Yeah.
2: Well, even the Miami series, that that I mean, they don't sweep the Pacers if they have Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb. Yep. Oh yeah, like we, that's just that's not happening. Yeah, a, I, a lot of those games were closer than they kind of appear to the end too. Like that wasn't a typical sweep, but like I mean, uh, I think Van Gundy was talking about it in the broadcast. Like, it's not just that Sabonis is really good. It's that the way their team worked, their second unit, is like a decent second unit, but it ended up being good because Sabonis would come back in with the second unit, would turn her off the court, and be the hub of absolutely every possession. Mm -hmm. And they they ran their entire team through him. And without that, their bench has been terrible throughout. Even when they were winning games, when they looked great, and, and T.J. Warren was dropping 40 points every night, their bench was bad. Yeah. And that that is going to matter when there's less margin for error in a playoff series. And uh, Miami's bench killed them today. And that, I mean, honestly, like, I just, I, I think Indiana is a more talented team in general um, than one that you would expect to be swept in the first round. And like, you just, you can't tell that story without talking about Sabonis. And then, and then Lamb as well, who had a pretty good sure. year for them starting the entire time. And uh, I don't think Vic. By looks, the time he got I'm, hurt, Oladipo was back, but he was still coming off the bench.
0: And I don't think Vic looks good. He's definitely not Vic. I mean, not he's himself. not the guy. He's not the guy that we know from before the injury, and he and he shouldn't be. I mean, he, he really didn't have much time to play this year to get himself to that level. So, um, yeah, totally agree. So, where do you? Th- so, when you look at the Heat uh, against the Bucks in the second round, you mentioned obviously Bucks having trouble against Vooch. Uh, they, I mean, Bam's not a shooter, but they have Kelly. They have Kelly Olenek. Um you could dust off Myers Leonard, who
2: has not played.
0: Sure. H- how do you see? These... Which is not
2: crazy in, against the Bucks. Like, I don't think that's crazy at all.
0: How do you see them matching up?
2: Well, I think the one thing they have going for them is they have Bam at a bio. They can guard Giannis one on one as well as anybody in the NBA. I'd love to hear
0: that. Um, I've been, I've been, now, I've been pumping that up on this pod and other places since this right. since the playoff started. I said I can't wait for the Giannis Bam matchup in the second round.
2: Yeah, and that doesn't mean that it's just Bam's job. Like, when Kawhi was guarding him last year, like, they still sent help. Like, they will do that. Um, Honestly, like, what makes the Heat a good defensive team is not just that they have, like, Bam and Jimmy Butler and Iguodala. It's, like, they help really well. Their guys are, like, in the gaps, like, digging down on post guys, getting steals. They're they're disrupting passing lanes. They play this, like, really, like – really good 2-3 zone um, that flummoxed a lot of teams in the regular season. Uh, I don't know how often they'll be in zone versus the Bucks. I don't know what their exact defensive strategy is going to be, but I think they do have interesting personnel on that end, like largely because of BAM, but also I think all year, even though they didn't have an elite defense throughout the regular season, like the numbers kind of like, you look at them and be like, eh, like I, I, I kind of expect them to be better. Like, there was always a sense that like when they were at their best, when they were really trying on defense, like they could get there. Mm-hmm. And now now is the time for them to show it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So since we since I don't know if we'll have you on before that series ends potentially, wh- how do you see that going down, Bucks heat? Since and look, I I don't love doing picks for series that are not set, but this is set. So, but it's yeah. you know, yeah. So I mean,
2: I'll like to the more fun pick is to pick like heat and seven or something. So mm-hmm. I'll just do that. Like, <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> you're going to
0: make, you're going to make a lot of listeners to this podcast happy. Cause I think we have a lot of South Florida listeners early on. So
2: mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much I actually believe it as I say it, but I think like they have the personnel to make the bucks comfortable. Uh, excuse me, to make the bucks uncomfortable and uh, the bucks have the ball. The other side of it, like the bucks are a really good defense, the heat, don't shoot a ton of threes. They're a good three-point shooting team. As you said, they don't shoot a ton of them though. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, all right, how much are they going to tailor their game plan to this specific opponent? How much are they just going to do what they're going to do? Like, I think like I was kind of like, Oh yeah, they'll, maybe they'll dust off Myers Lander But like that's actually a really interesting question for how this series goes is like, do they want to introduce this guy who like since they got to Orlando has not been playing whatsoever but who started every game that he played in before he got hurt mm-hmm. before the hiatus. Yeah. So yeah. I, because he is a good matchup to space the bucks out. Maybe he gets some burn. Maybe it's just Kelly Olenek gets more burn. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they do, but I know the bam is not scaring anybody shooting three pointers.
0: Sure. Yeah. But I do like the bam with four shooters lineups with, for them. So just because of the way they're able to play through him at the elbows, at the top of the key, the dribble handoff oh, yeah. game that he's developed, it's just, it's killer. Um, Alex, you you digging that pick, Heat and seven? I I,
1: I was gonna say Heat and four against <laughs> the Magic against the Magic.
0: Uh, oh, oh, Magic! Okay. I really Magic don't like come back from series. three, down.
1: No. <laughs> no, I think uh, I like Milwaukee still, and this is just the classic case of Milwaukee has the best player on the floor, and I don't really think it's close. I mean, Giannis. If Butler if that injury lingers, I think this gets out of hand. I really do. And Wait, you're saying
0: so? You're saying you don't think Jimmy Butler can continue to shoot above 50 percent from three in the playoffs? No, I Even think that's going to um,
1: regress a little bit. Yeah. All right. um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll pick. I'll take Milwaukee in like six in that series. Okay, fair enough. I agree. That's not the fun pick, though. I like. It's James not the fun but... pick. Yeah.
2: The one thing is, like, it doesn't have to be threes, like, because the way the Bucks play, like, if you're a guy that shoots pull up twos, like, you can get those shots.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's get to the la- the other two games from from uh, last night. We got a series that suddenly looks very interesting. Rockets, Thunder. Um, Thunder win 117-111. For the second game in a row, CP3, Shea Gildress, Alexander, and Schroeder scored 70-plus points combined. And, yeah. James, Alex was giving me shit yesterday. Was Was it yesterday? Was it yesterday? Yeah, because yesterday was when we recapped the weekend for drinking the Lou Dort's or Lugans Dort uh, Harden Stopper Kool Aid. How do you feel? I mean, look, whatever you want to say about it, Harden is shooting like 20 something percent from three since Dort, and not that hard I'm not giving
2: you any shit for that Dort like legit makes him uncomfortable
0: yeah and and even when he he scores his
2: ground he moves his feet yeah I I don't know what more you want like you can't if Harden is going to shoot his step back and make it like sure but like Dort makes his life harder yeah like you can see him trying to get away from him and get a different matchup like that is happening all game like James Harden does not run a ton of pick and rolls anymore, but you've seen like, you see him calling for screens when Dort Mm -hmm. is on him. Like this is a real thing. Now, like the Rockets offensive numbers are still really good. Like that's not why they lost this extremely close game. Uh, They lost the extremely close game because what I thought was the story of the playoffs was their defense. A few, a couple of games ago and OKC like it took them a little bit, but it seems like, I'm not going to say they figured it out, but I think they've at least gotten used to playing this way. Because I think the Rockets get a lot of people off kilter with just how much switching they do. And it's just a, an unconventional style. And you're talking about, like, CP3 and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who are so used to kind of, like, and Schroeder too, like, using that screen to create a little advantage and, like, snaking the pick and roll and doing their little shifty stuff in the middle of the floor where if the opposing team is just switching every pick and roll, like you just have another dude in front of you. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not doing that stuff. And it just, it seemed like in the first couple of games, the Thunder's offense just died. It had no energy. Everybody was just standing around and watching these like ISOs that went nowhere. And now it seems like when they're ISOing, they're doing so with a purpose. They're doing so with confidence They're You know, they're drawing a shitload of fouls. Like that's really the difference in the game. If you look at the box score, like the amount of times that the Thunder got to the line compared to Houston. And they're also, making their mid-range shots, they're making tough twos, but they have the personnel to do that. And they've been doing that all year better than pretty much any team in the league.
1: Just to to jump back to the, the Lou Dort point that James just made, the number that sticks out, four for five James Harden at the free throw line. When's the last time we saw James Harden get to the line five times?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, he only
1: went like not eight. comfortable. He only went James to the Sean.
0: line. He only went to the line like seven or eight times the other day, and he what did he average like eleven or twelve in the regular season? Yeah. Like so, I, I've got to remember. eat
1: some crow on this load. This Lou Dort thing. Uh, I thought this was a two-game flash in the pan, and uh, Houston was going to take this series and make it look easy, like they did in games one and two. Now I have absolutely no feel for this series, and <laughs> I've bounced I bounced back I think, and forth know, a lot. We know the Rockets are not going to stop shooting three pointers. Fifty-eight today, but. 10 trips to the line like they're settling too too much and I know like that sounds impossible for the Rockets but for them as a team to only get to the line 10 times tells me I mean they're, they're out of sorts right now well
0: and that brings me to my sort of which this might be an obvious takeaway but I hate to say it because I've been a Russell Westbrook hater for years but it's just so drastic how much their offense changes without him they you know obviously they were they had the highest pace in the boat, in the restart game, in the seating games. And they had the second highest pace in the NBA. And now they have one of the lowest paces in the playoffs. And that's not, and that's to be expected with Russ not being there, but it is a difference. I mean, they're scoring four or five less fast break points a game and they've lost in overtime and now they've lost by six. So, or four or six in this game. So, um I think it makes a huge difference and then you talk about getting in the line. Well, Russ is going to get to the line. He's going to get yes. them easy buckets in transition and especially against a team like the Thunder who want you to play who play slower because they have Chris Paul and that's how their offense sort of runs. They want you to be a slower team without Russ. They need him back badly just to even just change up the momentum of this series because right now it just looks like the Thunder have complete control.
2: But they- it was it was so close though. That's the thing. It's like the the Rockets went super cold from three point range yeah. in, in the second half. Like I mean, they started making like they a, went eight in a row. A, row yeah. Yes. But but after that, it was like they, they couldn't hit anything. Yeah. And a couple more of those go down, which a lot of those you're talking like wide open, just the same normal threes that Harden creates for his teammates all the time, whether nobody even near him, um, and they're they're just straight up missing. So like, I didn't get the impression like that the rockets were doing anything horribly wrong like to me like the game ended and i was like all right the thunder have like started figuring some stuff out and houston just like in a coin flip game missed a bunch of threes and like they surely will regret not getting to the line more but like i i kind of agree like with like i don't have a great feel for this series anymore i thought i did after a couple of games but i love that i don't cuz this is probably my favorite series right now they they're both playing at an extremely high level uh it's not just the stars and stuff like mm-hmm. i mean i'm liking seeing like darius Baisley out here making like strong drives to I the love rim Baisley, and dunking man. like yeah like he's a smooth player who like looks way better now than he did and uh, also probably
0: and probably doesn't is probably not as much of a household name as he should be for the fact that he's probably like going to break the ncaa with what he did with B, with right. Taking an intern, a million dollar internship with New Balance, and skipping college, and now being a productive NBA player off of it, and being a first round pick, like that should be the model. But anyway, it was a bold yeah. thing
2: that he did when he did it. Now everybody's signing up for this. Right, this, this exactly. GLE select team and all that. Oh yeah. yeah but before
0: like- before the series, I said it was going to go seven games, and then after two games, I was like, "Wow, was I wrong?" And now it's crazy. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, there's no there's no way to know. And but the only thing is, is going up two games. And then, so this is the normal progression of an NBA series, right? Two games at home, two games at home, but they're not, there's no home games anymore, right? So, you know, <laughs> being, up, being up 2-0 and being up 2-0 the way the Rockets were, and then falling back to being tied, normally be like, okay, well, the Rockets will go home and now they'll take the momentum. But the momentum is, to me, is firmly, even in a close, even though the games were close, the Thunder have momentum now just because of the fact that not only did they tie it up, but they came back from down 2-0. So, yeah, but it, it's it's just hard to. Um, it's gonna be a hard. It's gonna be a good. That's a fun series. It, I I hope it goes seven games because I, yeah, I want to keep watching seven these games,
1: games in the series. I, I, I want to see Chris Paul.
0: I, I would like to see Russ come back, but you know we'll see. Yeah, you want to see Chris Paul? What?
1: Chris Paul in a game seven because that oh, yeah. motherfucker he's as intense as they get, and and he's so fun to watch in game seven. Yeah. Um. So we it's fun
2: seeing him and and Harden try to like out
1: flop each other during the <laughs> series. Like, yeah, yeah. for sure. I
2: realize it pisses everybody off. I'm just like I'm laughing my ass off. Like it,
0: yeah, yeah. it's so great. Um so last game of the day of the night was Lakers uh they won 135-115. Um I I mean my there's not a whole lot to say here. I mean it's it, but I guess my biggest thing was like if I'm the rest of the league or if I'm the rest of the West and then whoever they play in the finals I'm like, God damn, why did it have to be the Blazers? Because the Blazers, like, the the best thing that can happen to a team whose offense looks like the Lakers' offense has looked in the bubble is to have four or five games against a shit defense like the Blazers to get going. And it happened. That's what happened tonight. I mean, they just, this is the best they've looked offensively in the playoffs. Um, and now they get one more game to play against this shit defense. And then they're going to sit there and watch the Rockets and the Thunder beat each other up for a few more games. I mean, that's, a, that's really all that it is. There's not much else to take away from this game, right?
2: What if it lulls them into a false sense of security and then they play a real defense and they have no idea what to do?
0: Okay, that's fair. It's po- <laughs> it's possible. Although, which one's the... If the Rockets win, is that the real defense?
2: I, I mean, mean, I love the Rockets defense. I do too, like, but I, I mean,
0: I-, I think it's different. Like, it would be different with them trying to do what they're doing to Steven Adams, to Anthony Davis at the five, you know?
2: I mean, we've seen the Rockets beat this Laker team. Like that was right at the beginning when they got Covington and they had no experience playing together whatsoever. Uh, I, I doubt Eric Gordon played in that game. Maybe he did, but if he did, he was not healthy because he was not really himself for like anything Mm -hmm. in, in the regular season. Um, I just, I think this, is a different and better Rockets team than they were then. And we've already seen them beat the Lakers. And I think it's just a matchup that like will make the Lakers very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, if that happens, because the Thunder right. could totally win this series now. It, so we have I, to, yeah, we're we're getting out sure. of ourselves. Right.
0: Of course. No, I mean, either of those teams are obviously substantially better defensively than the Blazers. <laughs> so uh, either way, like
2: one of the worst defensive teams we've ever seen. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I mean, obviously we have to note from this game, Dame, another injury he left in the third quarter with a knee injury. And it's not, not that it matters for this series because I mean, if I'm the Blazers, I mean, who knows how bad it is. I'm sure Dame's going to want to keep playing, but I I would just play it safe. But it just matters to me because overall it just seems like the story of the bubble more other than Luca, right. And Donovan Mitchell, the story of the bubble is more and more and more going to be defined by injuries. Because every day it seems like there's another injury. And obviously, James, I know you talked to a lot of people before the start. And people were worried about this. But I think, you know, obviously every year you could talk to the Warriors about this. But you need luck and you need health to win a title. But it just seems like this year, because we don't know who's going to win, because there's not the Warriors, there's not that team. There's like six teams now that whoever stays healthiest has the best shot, it seems like. Because it's like every other day in the bubble someone gets hurt.
2: Yeah, it sucks. I mean, like, regardless of the Blazers' chances in this series, like, that has nothing to do with when you see Damian Lillard come down with an injury. When he already hurt himself the other day, mm-hmm. like, with the, it's with the finger. like, come on. Yeah. Like, he has been, like, the best player in this whole thing. Yeah. And, like, you want to see them put up more of a fight than they did tonight. And, like, I'm not saying that was because Lillard was hurt. Like, no, that's because they can't guard anybody. But, like, but still, this was a very, like, happy story. And in some ways, I feel like if that Karis Levert shot goes in at the end, then the Blazers story kind of ends and everybody remembers Dame being legendary. He doesn't get that that win against the Lakers, but still it just kind of ends there and you don't have to see them get their ass kicked like this. <laughs> that's that um, but, is,
0: that's why I liked it that the Suns didn't make the playoffs. Because now we'll always but, have the 8-0 no Suns.
2: But the Suns, but here's the thing, like I wanted the Suns in because I thought that was the only team of all the teams we were talking about that actually could have like, you know, guarded somebody a little bit. Like they were good on both ends throughout the bubble. Um, Not really throughout the regular season, but throughout the bubble, like they were like legit good. Like I just thought they were flat better than the Blazers were. I thought they were flat better than the Grizzlies were without Jaron Jackson. Um, So I wanted them in and like, I can't imagine watching this shit tonight. If you're the Phoenix Suns at home, like that sucks.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, all right, let's get to uh, – let's do our picks for tonight. There's only two games. Actually, let's uh, – Bucks covered minus 13 and a half. We both had Bucks. Uh Heat covered minus seven. Alex, you had the Heat. Uh, Thunder covered, obviously, because they won. Um, I had them plus three, so I got that one. And then we both had the Lakers minus seven and a half. So, Alex, you're you're creeping. You're creeping. 11 and Shipping 13. Shipping away, yeah. 11 and 13 since the start of the we, – we've picked, James, we've picked every – uh, weekday slate. So last Monday through Friday, and then last night, um, I'm 17 and seven. I'm a professional gambler now. It's unbelievable. Some, somehow, is that how sample sizes work? I think that's how it works. I was texting okay. a buddy of mine that works in a casino in a book in Vegas. And he texted me the, when I was at 16 and six, and he said, there's a, he texted me like 2.5% chance of being 16 and six. So he gave me like this whole formula of how I'm balling right now. But anyways, Let's uh, no, I mean that's
2: incredible.
0: Yeah, let's make these picks real quick cuz I want to get before we you know for these last 10 minutes or so I want to talk Philly. Um Jazz minus 3 versus the Nuggets uh to close it out. They're up 3-1. Uh yeah, I I just the Nuggets defense is worse than the Blazers right now, so I kind of have to go Jazz cuz I think they'll close it out. Um Alex thoughts.
1: Yeah, I'm going Jazz minus 3 and I'm kind of confident about it. Like without jamal murray this series isn't even close like without jamal murray going ape shit a couple times it's not even close the series um and i think rudy gobert as much as i don't really care for his game is really putting his stamp on it defensively i feel pretty comfortable about utah minus three james you want to make a pick on this one
2: i also have to pick utah um i mean similar reasons right like It's funny, like, Gobert is a beast, but, like, Murray isn't afraid of him. Like, he doesn't care. He's going to get his shots off. He's going to take a bunch of threes. He's going to get where he wants. The two-man game with Jokic is still working. Um, But Gobert is still kind of enough of a difference maker for, like, every other part of the Nuggets attack, (laughs) really, Um, that I think, like, that is kind of the story of this series. Like, offensively, these teams, like, the way they play – right now it's like kind of similar it's just like the nuggets like just put up hardly any resistance at all yeah like you're watching these games and often it's just like a pick and roll party like every just a high pick and roll for both teams either side and it's like donovan mitchell's trying to make plays jordan clarkson's trying to make plays off a pick and roll or it's like jamal murray and Jokic doing their their two-man game thing and it's just the one side has like this brick wall in the middle and then the other side has like Jokic running around like sometimes he's dropping sometimes he's like up at the level of the screen other times you're it's like he's kind of in between you're like I don't know what you're really doing but you're not like stopping either the ball handler or the big man um so I'm just I'm just much more confident with the jazz and like the complete game uh that they've been playing rather than the Nuggets which like yeah they can score but that's kind of it
0: yeah Alex put it pretty Poignantly yesterday about Jokic's defense, he's a it's a swinging door at this point. He just there's there's nothing there. Um, Mavs Clippers Clippers are still six minus six and a half despite the Mavs tying the series up. Do we know if Por, what, Porzingis is still game uh, time decision game time as decision of right? right? Now. Yeah, as of um, right now. God, this is a tough one. This is the series that's swept the nation. It's taken the league by storm. Luca is. America's darling right now. Um, I guess I just like last game I picked the Clippers to cover and it was a similar number because I was like, all right, the Clippers are going to finally assert themselves and just, and just pull away. And I feel like I got to do it again. Unless Paul George is actually legitimately hurt. Eventually he's going to have to score and then it's going to be a totally different series. So I, I'm going to take the Clippers minus as much as I hate to do it. I'm going to go sit Clippers minus six and a half again.
1: That sucks. Cause I thought you were going to go Mavericks and you were going to plus, go oh, and minus- I was going to pick up the game, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think Paul George really hit it on the head with his expert analysis of if I'm shooting better, it's not, sure. it's a totally, I think he plays really well and like Porzingis, if he tries to gut it out, that could end up hurting the Mavericks depending on what his his health is and Donchett still has this ankle, this ling- lingering ankle thing. I mean, it didn't look like it affected him, but <laughs> you think? Um, I don't think it
2: affected him last game. No. Yeah.
1: I just, I, I would be shocked if, if the Mavericks can keep this up and I'll tip my cap if they do, but I'm going Clippers minus six and a half.
2: I'll take Dallas just because neither of you did. Sure. Um, I don't think I have any great explanation for it because yeah, I'm like waiting for the Paul George game to happen too. But like the one name we haven't mentioned so far is Pat Beverly. Yeah, and I think like more than like whether or not George is making shots, like the Clippers are still scoring enough without George like doing a hell of a lot. Like they are, they were an elite defense in the regular season. Like they were supposed to be like, oh my god, like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the same team. Like Patrick Beverly harassing ball handlers. This is gonna be the craziest thing we've ever seen. They had Marcus Morris at the deadline, and now it's like oh, they can put him at small ball five and switch absolutely everything. And, like, by the way, that is how they close that game. Like, mm-hmm. the last, like, eight and a half minutes of the fourth quarter, all of overtime, Marcus Morris is the five. And their defense sucks. They, yeah. they cannot stop Dallas. And, I, it sucks is, like, I, I should be giving more credit to the Mavs here. By the way, the team that had the best offense of all time in the regular season. Right. But, like, they're making it look like the Clippers' defense sucks. Like, they're not containing the ball. They're getting in rotation. Like, Luka's just dishing – for wide open looks and somehow the offense is even better when Luka's not on the court. Like Trey Burke and Seth Curry are carving them up and they're all cutting and moving and it's just, it's beautiful, but this is the type of stuff that was like not supposed to happen for the Clippers. And to me, until somebody tells me that Patrick Beverly is coming back, then I know that Luka is going to be able to pick on Lou Williams or Reggie Jackson or Ivica Zubats or, I mean, Montrez Harrell is not a bad defender, uh, and he's pretty mobile, but Luca kills him too. And he picked on Shamit a couple of times in the pick and roll too. Like,
0: yeah, it's
2: just the way that they're playing, and it is like it is absolutely surgical. And to the point where the Clippers' weakest defender seems to matter more than the Clippers' strongest defenders. And until Beverly comes back, I don't, I don't know how it's not just like a gunfight and. At that point, I'm saying, "Well, it's just going to be close and come down to the final seconds, like last time." So I don't feel like stupid or crazy picking the Mavs.
0: That's true. The Mavs to cover, and and when you say it that way, the Mavs to cover sounds like a pretty good sounds like a pretty good pick,
2: right?
0: Like, yeah, you kind of can. I'm going to stick with my pick, but when you when you put it that way, Mavs to cover, kind of. Yeah, I should have gone to James first. Like, not made my pick. Let him pick first. All right. Um, Before we close out the show, we had some big news yesterday not surprising news. I think we all saw it coming, but Brett Brown was fired. Um, and obviously names are already floating out there. Woj put Ty Lu out there almost immediately. I saw Ime Doka, Dave, Dave Yeager. I saw Jay Wright, which I think is a cool one. I don't know that if that'll happen. What are, what's the latest that you've heard, James, or names that you've seen that you think. Have I mean, a all these shot? names,
2: like I've, I've thought Jay Wright would be, like, a cool NBA coach for years. It's it's just, I don't... He's so well-dressed, honestly, you like, know? This, this I don't care perfect. about the coach until I know how they're fixing their fucking roster. Like, no one would have done better than Brett Brown this year with this team. There was no fixing it. There was no magical solution to the spacing problems. There was no, like, unbelievable rotation fix that, that could have happened that would have jammed these pieces together. Like, I don't care. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I think there are many, many problems with this roster. Yes, I'm kind of annoyed with the way everybody is like shitting on them and piling on when half these people picked them to win the title coming into the year. But I didn't. I thought their offseason sucks from the beginning. I thought this was all doomed. Going into the playoffs when they didn't have Ben Simmons, I didn't understand why anybody thought that they would have a shot. Like, yes, Embiid had this like height advantage and Embiid is an amazing post-up player. But guess what? In 2020, you can't just go and feed the ball to the center and the other team say, "Okay, sure, we'll watch you do that. The Celtics were never going to let that happen. Nothing about this surprised me. Nothing about Brett Brown's firing surprised me. Clearly, it was time anyway. Everybody was sick of each other, but he didn't do anything wrong. And until they fix the roster, I'm not that interested in who's coaching them. Sorry, that was my rant.
0: No, 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 no. I just have to say, I think that answer just got Alex fully aroused. I'm. I'm not even. Well, li- I'm not even kidding. I think I saw the computer raise up because that's not true. Because <laughs> But, but I, I. I. I, I could just jelly. see the twinkle in Alex's eye as you were answering that question.
1: He loved it. He loved. That's probably the best response he's heard on this podcast. I mean, I'm a huge Brett. I love Brett Brown, um, and I think he got the shit end of the stick. And I'm glad somebody that knows what they're talking about, like you do, James. Um, thanks so much for being on this pod, by the way. <laughs> um stuck up for him a little bit the one thing i wanted to mention was in in his statement brett brown was as classy as can be as you would expect and he slips in there um you know thanks to the 102 players i coached during my tenure here <laughs> like yeah. the con- there was like no continuity that. it's just people coming going coming going you couldn't get anything solid so i thought that was brilliant and well, uh, he also didn't thank brian colangelo
2: and he pointedly did that thank was beautiful Elton yeah, Brand. yeah. colangelo I mean, it was the worst-kept secret ever. Like, it was reported, Like, he wanted D'Antoni to come in. He wanted Brett Adebol basically from day one. Like, he couldn't make that happen. Brett was very popular and had support within the organization. And it is unbelievable that he lasted seven years. Like, nobody gets to coach the tanking team and then get to coach the near-conference finalist like Brett did last year. Like, this is not, like... Like, I understand, like, I have my sympathy for, like, any coach that loses their job, especially given what I just ranted about. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I think he was kind of set up to fail this year. But at the same time, like, the man has, like, $10 million left in his contract. He did, like, lots of good work in this tenure. Lasted way longer than anybody, himself included, would have ever expected. Um, Somehow coached under three different general managers and also briefly was the general manager kind of, Um, it's just, it's been an incredibly weird ride. And I think there will be other teams interested in him. I don't know if he'll take a job right away this this summer. Um, I I probably wouldn't if they were going to keep paying me $5 billion a year to not coach. Like personally, I don't think I would take a job, but like he will be heard from again. And I, I, I think it is perfectly possible to, Criticize some aspects of his coaching and his, uh, how do we put it, his, uh, how he deals with superstars, I suppose, while also acknowledging that, like, this, like, the sweep and just kind of what's happened with all the assets that they had is, like, so not his fault.
0: Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we'll we will we'll see we'll see what happens next with them and i'm sure yeah you're right we'll see brett brown again last thing quickly james you you're a brooklyn guy you cover the nets pretty extensively there's this rumor out there that they want to make a godfather offer to greg popovich give me your like your 30 second response on how real or not real this could possibly be
2: i their interest is is totally real i'm sure uh whether it's pie in the sky or whether it's a realistic thing. Like I, I honestly couldn't tell you it. It feels to me like a, like a huge long shot. Um But I mean, I guess if, if pop was ever going to leave this Spurs, like, which I kind of don't see, but if you were to ever do that, like going to like work with Sean Marks and coach a team with championship ex- championship expectations and like coach Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like that, that at least sounds like somewhat plausible. He loves New York. Like he spends time here in the summer. It's not, it, it's less crazy than if you told me like the Pelicans were going to try to go get him. I'll put it that way. But Makes I sense. wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it.
0: All right. There it is. There you have it. He's not betting on it, but he's betting on these games. And I wish I would have taken his bet at first. I'm he, not betting on the game. No, no, he's not betting on the game, but he has his pick. And I wish I would have taken it because he convinced me. James Herbert outside the <laughs> NBA on Twitter. <laughs> One of the best in the business. This was an amazing episode. Thank you for coming on. Uh, We'll have you back on again, hopefully soon.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All
0: right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow morning.